Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 233. Welcome, 2021. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Not much. Hanging out today. We've got uh, my nephew, James, with us. He's on one of the early podcasts. I'm trying to remember how long ago that was. That was at least three years ago, I think, because I was still living in Hoboken at the time, I think. I was visiting Florida, I think. I think it was around Thanksgiving. Yeah, I didn't think you were actually in Florida yet, because I think I was recording it from my bedroom in Hoboken. <laughs> nice. So that would be at yeah. least four years ago then. That was a while ago. Yeah, actually, it was probably just over four years ago now, because I was talking the, about the uh, the shipment boxes for camping gear and then i got one like that following month afterward yeah see so, yeah, that was 2016 that was geez. that sounds about right then yeah so it's Man, been a long time i'm looking at all our archives it's all coming back to you now right james thank you for joining us he's gonna be doing some special special ops for us and we've been kind of yammering on about how we need some someone young to help us with all this newfangled nonsense and james is our <laughs> our lifeblood right now. So hopefully we'll have some cool new fun things on uh, Instagram, YouTube, some other socials. If you want to start a TikTok channel for us, James, this could be, uh, we give you that ball to go run with it. Yes. Everybody's TikToking. I don't, I don't know Everybody's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Indeed. It is, it is 2021. We're actually recording this on New Year's Day. Gentlemen, happy new year. We survived 2020. We're on to a new year. We're excited about the podcast. We're excited about this ski season. Had a great interview with our new friend, Cassie, who is the editor for the North American portals of On the Snow. Yes, On the Snow, which shuttered back in, I believe it was April during COVID. And they came back in October. They're going strong. Had a great chat with her. Hope you guys stick around to check that out. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out at skibumpodcast.com. We have our archives there, all the links in the show notes. Check us out on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We are at Ski Bump Podcast. Go to your favorite podcasting apps, rate and subscribe. We have a special couple of sponsors this week. We talked yeah. about the first one last week as well. Valon. Valon Eyewear. Uh, they are at V-A-L-L. O-N.S-T-O-R-E, Valon.store. They have classic styles, maximum performance, update on classic styles using modern materials and technologies, originating out of Verbier, Switzerland. Not Italy, where all the other sunglass and goggle companies are all controlled by one big evil conglomerate there. Reasonably priced, one kilogram of plastic waste cleaned up with every sale. So far, over 54,000 pounds of plastic cleaned up. Free shipping to the U.S. They have sunglasses. They have goggles. I currently have been rocking all over the Northeast these super stylish ski aviators that I think are super fresh. I love them. They also have goggles. They have their Stairway and Freebirds. Both have a couple different lens options. Go to their website. Valon, V-A-L-L-O-N dot S-T-O-R-E. Check out the goggles, check out the sunglasses. And if you go there now, use the code SKIBUM15, all one word, to get 15% off. Now, our newest sponsor, our pals over at Terracia, T-E-R-R-A-C-E-A dot com. Mario, do you have your jacket handy? I know I have mine right here. This is their Sorrel shell, which I got to tell you, man, for the price that they're charging for these, these are super premium 
in line with the big expensive brands that we all know and love slash hate. That's me wearing mine. Look at that. There's Mario rocking his. You have the Beacon jacket, which is the insulated one. The one I was just showing is the, the Sorrel, which is a show. So they're yeah, based out of New Hampshire. Sweet. Yeah, yours is really sweet, too. Their mission is to create best-in-class apparel that can be worn in any cold temperature environment, designed with thoughtful features and fit, always providing optimal level of performance for whatever you are doing. They believe that good products can always be made better and are constantly striving and improving and refining. So these guys, they've been around for about five years now, like I said, based in New Hampshire, coming out with some great new products, way more reasonably priced than some of the other big names with just as good, if not better quality. If you guys want to find out more, like I said before, Teresia.com, T-E-R-R-A-C-E-A.com. We have a code for them as well. Teresia Bum. So T-E-R-R-A-C-E-A-B-U-M, all one word, and you will get 15% off. They've got some sweet puffers, shells, pants. They have a couple of lighter weight options too, but I think all those are sold out. So they're moving some really nice product. You're going to see them around a lot more. So we're excited to be working with them. Our friend Mike from Terracia is going to be on the next few weeks. He was, he's been huge in helping us get involved with them and, and they're sponsoring us which we really do appreciate love their products we'll be rocking a bunch of this stuff when we're on the slopes we'll be seeing our posts in the socials the next few months so thank you teresia check them out teresia.com i will be rocking it at obergatlinburg next week when i go boom obergatlinburg be ready nice blue and i'll be rocking it you can look for the blue flash on the mountain that's me can't can't miss them <laughs> all right mario let's kick this off the way we always do it's time for our prey today. I didn't post yet to Untapped, but you could see what I'm drinking there. It is the uh, Cigar City Invasion, which is the Tropical Pale Ale. I think I might have had this on before, maybe last year. It's a solid, solid showing from Cigar City. So it's a pale ale, not as hoppy as the Highlight. It has a little hint of tropical notes from mainly the Simcoe Mosaic hops. Other than that, it's really easy drinking. It's good, good tasting, and it's not. Not killing my my stomach from the the hops. About 5.0 ABV. They actually did come out with the high low, which I think I, I showed you pictures of that. You sent me a picture of that. Yeah, at first I was like, what is he talking about? I'm like, oh, high low. It's the high low, lower alcohol version, four percent. That one's really good too. That is an IPA, just at a lower percentage. So. It's interesting. I got to see, look into more how that's made. But this is a pale ale, which is usually about four to five, you know, not as hoppy, but very good. I like this. Cigar City solid. I like all their stuff. Yeah, their stuff's pretty good. I had to go a different route today. Again, it's New Year's Day. Now, you may think, Brian, you must have be hung over and partied out last night, which is why you're not having a beer. Or you're having something else. Friends, I wish that were the case. I was in bed at 11 something last night. Unfortunately, my darling little three-year-old or three-month-old daughter decided to wake up every two hours last night screaming bloody murder. So I just had a miserable night's sleep. I'm trying to stay jazzed up. I've had like seven cups of coffee today. And right now, I'm having a delicious traditional medicinals throat coat tea in this really awesome mug that Mario got me from Oktoberfest. Nice. I did put a splash of Appleton Estates Jamaican rum into it to kind of ah, change the flavor sure. profile. Because usually, I know we've talked about it in the past, we're big fans of the hot toddy. You know, you do a little honey, a little whiskey. Yep. That's usually the way to go. I figured New Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Seattle Mile T. That's the the ultimate. Baron Jaeger, that's the way to go. Yeah. And remember that Baron Jaeger bourbon? They did like a mix. Yeah. Baron Jaeger and bourbon. I was looking for, I don't know if they still make that anymore because that was really delicious. That was that whole honey COVID. bourbon trend that happened like, what was that 10 years ago, eight years ago? When like every company was putting honey in their whiskey, like Jack Daniels yeah. honey came out and then everyone else did the same thing. But thanks, I decided that's this yeah, we're covered, right? Thanks, COVID. So with that, I think it's time to kick it off. Let's go to Ski News. And we're going to start off with some very sad news. Lindsay Vaughn has announced that her engagement with PK Subban has ended. Uh, she posted this on Instagram a couple days before. Bad news for them. It's good news for whoever's stalking her right now saying, I got a shot now. <sighs> perhaps, perhaps. Uh, she said, over the last three years, PK and I have had some incredible times together. He is a kind, good man, and someone I respect a great deal. However, after much consideration, we've decided to move forward separately. We will always remain friends and love each other immensely. We ask that you please respect our privacy during this time. Again, very sad. They seem happy together. I will say the first thought I had in my head was when I saw this was to post that picture of the lip lines at Vale and be like, this is the line of suitors lining up for Lindsay Vaughn right now. <laughs> <laughs> hundreds of people. It's going to be tough being in the spotlight like that. And everyone's got access to your personal life because your yeah. brand, you have to put that kind of stuff out there. And you know, it's good when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, it's bad because now everyone knows what you're up to, what happened to you. And it's Dude, just I blame it be... on New Jersey. New Jersey killed their relationship. New Jersey, Jersey is a relationship destroyer. On the snow, in the fresh mountain air, and then she's around Jersey. I don't know. Big snow did it. Big Think snow. about it. Big snow ruined it. It's the crushing snow. Of big snow. She didn't want to do that backcountry tour of the garbage dumps of the Meadowlands with us, which <laughs> I totally understand. I barely want to do it. It would have been epic. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna win dozens of awards at Sundance and Con when we actually do it and film it. But yeah, it's you know, it's it's a tough thing, and it's uh, you know, yeah. Anytime your personal life is very uh, public, it's got to be a strain on any kind of relationship. Well, they, I know PK was doing a show right on NBC Sports. I don't know if that. That was before the whole COVID thing. I know he had some sort of show going on. I don't know if that still is. I don't know if he's still playing for the Devils. I know he wasn't in the playoffs with the Devils. He wasn't playing hockey, so he must have been doing a show. I hate to hate, but I got to say it. I got to say it like it is. Yeah. Well, he's still on the Devils. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, they've got, they made a bunch of trades. They have a lot of really good young players. They should be a threat in the last few years. The last few years. Yeah, they got. um, Dude, I've been so bad. What's his name? Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes, they had. Uh, Nico Hersher. The, those are guys are both number one draft picks the last couple of years. It's funny. He's like the old guy at 31 on the team. So they have a lot of young talent. So I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of ladies in New Jersey who are clamoring to get with PK. And oh, now yeah. they're like every friggin' skiing dickhead wants to get with Lindsay. So, you know, both of them have like the pick of the litter at this point. Let's be perfectly honest, you know? That's right. It's going to be sad for a little while. But the two of them, they'll be fine. They're both rich too. They're rich. You know, They're you know rich. what cushions the fall of a bad breakup? A nice, comfortable pile of money. And prime <laughs> rib. And prime rib. 
a big old thing of prime rib. <laughs> All right, next up, we got a, a big historic mark that just happened. U.S. skier Ryan Cochran Siegel wins the Super G for the first World Cup victory. This was in Bormio, Italy, just 10 days after his first career World Cup podium. American Ryan Cochran Siegel followed it up with a surprising victory of one of Alpine skiing's most iconic courses. He won Tuesday's Super G on Elvio, of course, in the Italian Alps, by a huge margin for his first World Cup victory. Goes on to say he's the first one to win a downhill on the same slope in 13 years since Bodie Miller. It's so awesome. He's a Vermont boy, too. Nice from Burlington, Vermont. Yeah. He's a native. He's from Westminster College. Yeah. He's uh, 28 years old. He's been, you know, pro for 11 years now. And yeah, that's amazing. That was first podium. And then right after that, his first victory. I mean, it's that's sweet. It's awesome. I've been watching a couple of the um, races the last couple of months, and they're showing the U.S. has some real good skiers that are coming up now, both in the men's and the women's because they're, you know, for the longest time, it's always been like a one person show. You know, it was Bodie, it was Lindsay, it was Ligeti, it was Michaela, but there was always right. this one person. Now there's like, there's two or three contenders on both the men's and the women's side. So I think we're going to see more of this coming up the next couple of months, which is, which is awesome. So it's good to see that we're developing that talent, right? Like it's not just being lost. So yeah, it's good. It's a beautiful thing. Next up, stay alive and survive. Ski resorts brace for a pandemic season. This is the kind of thing we've been talking about for months now. And this article came out on Christmas Day, and they're talking primarily about the area around Squaw Valley or Olympic Valley, I guess they're officially, unofficially calling it now. And they're saying that everything is just starting to look very different. You know, and usually you think Christmas week at a place like like Squaw would be so jammed. Uh, but they're saying restaurant patios were nearly empty as mass workers swept through with lime green disinfectant sprayers strapped to their backs. Part of a $1 million that Squaw Valley has spent on sanitizing equipment and other safety measures. As ski lifts, sparse groups waited in socially distant lines. The resort felt so dead, said a skier, mm. Sabrina Nottingham, partly because it was limiting ticket sales to fewer than 50% of the norm. And they're usually not that crowded in the first place, right? So places out West, I imagine, look really empty. Yeah. And they're saying New Mexico has actually limited resorts to 25% capacity. Wow. Yeah. So if you're going to Taos it's, and you get a lift ticket, I mean, I'm sure when you're there, it's epic. But if you're trying to get a ticket on a powder day, you're probably... SOL. The pandemic has obviously dealt a heavy blow to the entire travel industry, and ski resorts may feel a disproportionate impact this winter because of their short window of business. The ski industry already took a hit in the spring when the pandemic struck, and many of the resorts had to close early, leading to $2 billion in losses and causing layoffs through furloughs of thousands of employees, according to the National Ski Areas Association, a trade group. And it was the lowest number of visits since the 2011-2012 season. Mm. And they're saying places like Squaw and pretty much everywhere are setting much lower expectations. And I know, you know, we talked about this after we chatted with uh, folks at Ski Vermont. They're looking at breaking even as a big success this year, which, mm. you know, again, if it's a year, if it's here. year and everything is good next year, great. But, Again, it's the, the great unknown is the, the most scary thing for all these places. 
Yeah, I, I guess another interesting number they mentioned in here is they're mentioning New Mexico and they're saying last winter and this spring, they generated $41 million in taxes, but they're saying not to expect more than 40% of that number in the coming months. So there's going to be a tax revenue problem with a lot of the states that have a lot of these ski resorts because they're just not going to make the money, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. affecting the resorts. It's affecting the taxes for the local towns, for, for the states, like everything. Yeah. Also, this article talked about Stratton Mountain in Vermont, and they have an Irish pub called Mulligan's, and they had to lay off half of their staff. And as we've talked about before, Vermont gets 80% of its ski traffic from other states which means you have to quarantine for either one week or two weeks before they can go anywhere. And the manager of Mulligan said he expects to lose up to 60% of his normal winter sales. Wow. Yeah. He also said they survived hurricane Irene, which was really bad up there. Their sales took a real dive after nine 11 and they made it through the great recession he said that this pandemic is by far the worst. Mm. Yeah. Now, they do mention the bright spot, which is backcountry skiing and ski touring. Backcountry equipment sales have jumped 76% from August through October compared with wow. the same time a year ago, according to the NPD group. Mm, people just going out on their own. People going out on their own. Yeah. <clears throat> and what other choice do they have, right, For in Subway? It's pretty much the hardcores are going to go out there, but the casual families, the people who are maybe just wanting to try the sport, those are the people who are probably going to take a pass this season. Yeah. So if you get, if you got a season pass and you're still getting out there and it's less people, you probably think this season's amazing. But again, for the resorts, they are not thinking that. And what we're all hoping for is that this is just a one season kind of asterisk and yeah. that things go back to normal next year. And that these resorts are able to at least have enough money to open next year. I mean, we spoke about it. I think I mentioned it last podcast, but for me personally, you know, traveling, I see the effect of somebody that has to travel to ski, right? I can't drive to a local mountain. So because of that, you know, I I'm targeting certain areas that I could fly into and ski and between the, the flight restrictions and the cut of, of flights to different places. And then the insecurity of not knowing whether I'll be able to get a lift ticket or not is just keeping me from saying, Hey, I'm not going to do a big trip. Some of these big resorts, they rely, there's a huge percentage that they rely on out of towners to come in and give them their business. But it, it's tough to even commit as a consumer right now. No, you're spot on there. And that's where places, you know, if you're in Colorado, you're going to be fine because people living right. in the Denver area, they'll just, you know, still shoot out to I-70, same thing. And they're probably but, love you know, it, like you know? Yeah, but places like New England, where, you know, Vermont, New Hampshire, those are the big ski spots in Maine. Not everyone, they've, they're sparsely populated. A lot of the skiers are coming from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. And again, it's still early in the season. The snow has been hit and hit or missed so far, and we'll see the way this plays out. It's still, it's still, the story is still writing itself. And now yeah, vaccines are going, so hopefully that helps the situation maybe in the next few weeks or a month or so. But we're just going to have to see because then we're going to, we're January 1st, right? So we're hitting, this is January, February, usually prime ski months. So, yeah. Have you had your vaccine? Where are your papers? Yeah, it's, it's coming it's down to a little. It's, it's it's getting a little. Might not be able to get on a plane or travel anywhere if you don't have a vaccine or something. 
And then what are you going to do? Have a card? You know, then that's another thing. You got to get a card. Mm-hmm. Then. And you got to get a vaccine and a card. And then you're going to get yeah. fake cards. Then they're going to do fake vaccines. That's exactly where that black market is going to exist. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. Mm-hmm. It's going to get weird, but I think we're going to get through it. I think it's just going to be, yeah, I think this is going to be an asterisk year. We're going to get through it. Hopefully all of the resorts are going to survive. We shall see about that and get back to normal 2021, 2022. Yeah. All right. Next up we have this Vermont ski mountain just ranked among the best in America. Let's see if you could take a stab without looking at the article, which one it is. If it was, you're asking me, I'd say magic mountain, but I don't think it was magic. It was not magic. It was Killington Ski Resort, ranked number 11 among the nation's best. The number one ski resort was Park City in Utah. They said what they used, it was done by Koala. Koala. What is Koala? It's an online marketplace connecting travelers and timeshare owners. So what they did is they put together this ranking using annual snowfall, length of runs, number of lifts, adult skis, pass costs, review ratings, and Instagram hashtags when ranking resorts. So Killington, due partially to the 19 lifts, 383,000 feet of runs, and $130 adult ski pass cost. Vermont also boasted, uh, this Vermont resort boasted also a little over 228,000 Instagram hashtags. Park City had 1 million, 1 million, 100,000. This site is actually pretty cool. This old koala.com and the American ski index, because you can yeah. sort everything based on the different criteria, like where it ranked versus nice. the, the length of runs, the number of lifts, the adult ski pass price. Wow. And the average reviews. Yeah, so there's some pretty, and the number of Instagram hashtags. So the most, like you mentioned, the most Instagram hashtag place was park city. Number two was winter park. Huh. Kind of surprised by that. Number four was Grand Targi. Very surprising. Wow. Yeah. Not Jackson, but Grand Targi. Grand Targi. Yeah. Jackson six. There's some really nice data here, though. There's like a hundred different resorts that are in this total list. I mean, there is so much data in there. It's crazy. It even has like the average November through April temperature you can sort by. Yeah. So Crystal Mountain in Washington has the highest average temperature of 42 degrees. Wow. That's yeah. Wild. Bear, Bear Valley, number two, Mount Baker, number three, Ski Apache, four, Kirkland, five. And mm-hmm. another interesting thing you can do here is you can view the different adult ski pass prices. And the big three, Beaver Creek, Vail, and Steamboat, are all over $200 for an average ski pass price which again it also shows what a no-brainer if you're near any of those places an epic pass is well steamboat steamboat's on the icon but yeah beaver creek and bell are both on the epic pass now if you go the other direction lost trail powder mountain in montana 46 bucks for a lift ticket that's good yeah also in montana the great divide 40 bucks for a lift ticket Discovery Ski Area, Montana, 49 bucks. Montana Snowball, 50 bucks. If you're going to ski on the cheap and you're not going to Big Sky, Montana seems to be the way to go. The frugal skier's choice is Montana. Even Bridger Bowl is only 63 bucks. Wow. Yeah, that's not bad. Not bad at all. I got Mount Baker. They put $63.02. 
like everything else is rounded to the dollar, but they put the two cents. Mount Baker had to put their two cents in. (laughs) (laughs) They literally put their two cents in. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I I wonder like if they, if somebody's pissed off at that or what, why they, why did they include the two cents in there? Yeah. Interesting. And another interesting thing to look at here is the average or the actual snowfall, not even the average for the 1920 season. So Jackson hole, 1152 centimeters of snow wow camelback in pennsylvania 77 centimeters <laughs> thank god for snow making in the poconos camelback's on there though i gotta say camelback is list. on there yeah they're ranked they're actually ranked number 18 according to this this algorithm that they have no wait a minute that's not right what are they 18 in yeah, I was, just looking at, I was just looking at snowfall and somehow Camelback's rank was 18. I'm a little confused wow. how this works here. But yeah, I mean, last year was not exactly a banner year for the Pocono area. I'm seeing their ranking as 100. So they, they made the top 100. So what you do is there's the different scores here and you can sort through this whole list. Oh, there's the view all. That's nice and helpful. Now, see, they're not. See, 100 was oh, June in California. Based on the sort criteria. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I sorted it by snowfall total, and it's showing. Oh, there we go. Now it's fixed. You know what? I think for some reason it wasn't refreshing the the rank column. Yeah, there's Camelback at 100. I think it was using a different column and coming up with 18. Again, tons of information here. We'll have the link in the show notes, but it's go-koala.com slash the American Index. If you're a stat nerd like we are, you'll love to go and sort through this. Oh, you know, Camelback, if you look at overall score, this is where Camelback is actually number 83. Yeah, for some reason, when I did it, it was showing as 18. Yeah. It must have been a different, maybe it was adult ski ticket price that it wasn't refreshing that number. That's what happened. I'm interested. Like, Camelback's beating out Gunstock, Mad River Glen, Mount Sunapee. Interesting. Uh, I mean, again, you you can use statistics to kind of form any story you want. And I guess based on what the story they're trying to tell, that's the results you're getting. Yeah. Oh, that's good. More data to look through and planning, right? Well, Bad River, too. had four lifts. I don't know if the number of lifts matters for their calculation of that final overall score. Does Killington's lift that never operates, is that on there? <laughs> it's like the ghost lift. The ghost lift, the one that's shut ghost down. Lift. Speaking of shutting something down, 5,000 people pack Wolf Creek Ski Area, creating traffic hazards. Cars parked along U.S. Highway 160 with people walking along the road. Wow. This happened on December 29th. An estimated 5,000 people packed the slopes of Wolf Creek Ski Area on Tuesday, creating concerns for highway officials after people parked on the side of Highway 160 and apparently walked nearly a mile to the resort. Wow. That's hardcore. It's almost like the guy who ran the marathon, the ball, or was it the uh, London Marathon in ski boots? Yeah. That's it's similar to this. Yeah. I myself have never witnessed this, said Colorado Department of Transportation spokeswoman Lisa Schwantes. 
Wolf Creek ski area received a little more than two feet of new snow from the winter storm that blanketed southwest Colorado over the past few days, and the resort's trails are fully open and operational. The prime powder conditions have caused tickets to sell out Tuesday and again Wednesday. As part of the resort's operating plan under COVID-19, the mountain is limited to 5,000 people per day. Wolf Creek's plan to reopen amid uh, COVID-19 pandemic was approved by the local health department, Silver Thread Health District. It calls for things such as social distancing, mask wearing, and minimizing group size. CDOT officials, however, started to notice cars parked along Highway 160, mostly in a pullout on the east side of the highway between Wolf Creek Ski Area and a snowshed tunnel. Schwantes said the concern is too cars parked mostly on the highway could present a hazard to passing traffic and people walking along the highway is a dangerous endeavor. According to a rough estimate on Google Maps, the pullout is about seven-tenths of a mile from the ski area. CDOT sent crews to Wolf Creek on Tuesday afternoon to find out more about the situation, Schwantes said, but the main pullout people are using is not a designated area for parking. <laughs> a call to Wolf Creek ski area owner Davey Pitcher was not immediately returned Tuesday afternoon. Uh, <laughs> he was probably asking. You got a two-foot powder day? He's not sitting around waiting for your phone call. Yeah, they're not. I'm surprised the phone was even ringing. We just take it off the hook. They descended on Wolf Creek. Yeah, this is also Purgatory, which is you know probably the closest resort to Wolf Creek. Had the busiest day of the season, though far below normal year. What their bus- mm. biggest day was. Purgatory's max capacity of skiers. They just declined to say what it is. They said the resort was at eighty percent of its max capacity on Tuesday. And they said the largest rush of people all happened within a 90 minute window. Everybody trying to be first on. Dude. Yeah. It's, you know, this is, this is the kind of stuff we all expected. And yeah, now we're seeing it play out the way we thought it would, but huh. two snow, just dress out two there one way or another. Yeah. Got to get out there. All right. So next up we have where to ski bum at Alta. A pros and cons of where to work at the worst ski resort in the nation. <laughs> so, so they're saying working in the town of Alto is terrible. The mom and pop slope nestled in Little Cottonwood Canyon is known for its steep terrain, good skiers, and lots of snow. Well, that sign's ideal. It's not. Sometimes it snows so much you can't even go outside for fear of avalanche danger. They have more off-piece skiing than groomed runs, and everyone is just plain weird up here. So they're saying if you could manage that... <laughs> With four seasons living out at Alta, the person writing this said they had the pleasure of of knowing many, of knowing from many lines of work up there, all of them different experiences with their employers, some good, some bad. And then they break down where where they think are better in terms of wages you can earn, housing, food, fun factor, and lift access. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They go through Peruvian Lodge. Wages, they get two stars, housing, three stars, food, two stars, fun factor, four stars, lift access, three stars. So they're saying five-minute walk to lifts each day. The lodge offers the infamous Fort Employee Housing Unit, which is separate from the hotel itself. And it's good because it provides employees with a place to themselves without having to bother other guests. Um, Now, one thing to talk about before we talk about this article is that this is from new schoolers. So obviously, it's from a douchebag point of view. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, it's from someone who grew up probably living in Vail and having their living slope side at some place and now just being a miserable prick. 
talking about how hard it is to live at Alta. Yeah, exactly. Good day, sir. Good day. I said good day. I love the one comment at the end there. It says, or just work in SLC, pay extremely cheap rent compared to most places, wake up early and take the bus at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was talking about bring the hate. Like there's a lot of haters, but yeah, it's uh so proving lodge they cover gold miner's daughter, Russell's Lodge, Snow Pine Lodge, and they give a breakdown of that. So it's kind of a mix of comments. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Again, it's new schoolers. Like, They're going to have that point of view. I like uh, Snow Pine Lodge. They say, like a shit molded into the shape of a cake. The Snow Pine looks great at first glance, but one taste and you'll know something's terribly wrong. <laughs> that's awesome. Best yeah. pay in the canyon. Best pay in the canyon. That's right. And we'll, we'll see what happens to Alta and Snowbird after they either install that gondola or that I think looking at a, a cog train also. <clears throat> It's going to be cock trains. Nice. Cock trains a nice iconic thing in, true. in town. Yeah. We'll see what they're going to do there. Yeah. Well, one thing that's always fun to do is to look at your favorite app and look how much snow Alta got, because usually they're right there at the top every year, for the most amount of snow. And going into our main topic, we had mentioned earlier a great conversation with our new friend cassie who is the editor for the north american portals of on the snow what's cool about on the snow is as you can choose your favorite either local or national international resorts get alerts on the snow actually died at the beginning of this pandemic back in april and a lot of people were surprised and you know kind of uh upset about that we were sad we were like what are we going to do for our ski reports and our our information right are we going to have to go to every single resort's website and look up the information and make our own aggregator that's far too much work we're not doing luckily on the snow came back to life back in october so we talked to cassie about that she gave us great insight about how they get their data what they're doing to update the site, what's been going on. So we hope you enjoy the interview. Here is Cassie from On the Snow. All right. And we have another very special guest this week. We have Cassie Cassidy, who is the senior news producer of North America for On the Snow, back from the dead on the snow. So Cassie, welcome and thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Sure. So yeah, we've been kind of chatting on Twitter for the last couple of weeks now, trying to, to get this figured out. And I know a lot of us, well, in the ski world, I was so surprised originally back in March or April when On the Snow shuttered and then pleasantly surprised when it came back. I think it was around, when did you guys announce it? Was it late November, or early December? Uh, late October. It was late October. Okay. Yep. So, so it's been I'm sorry, kind ahead. of like a kind of a mad dash to get get going for the season, but we're glad to be up and running. Yeah, it was one of those things, right? Everyone was so kind of freaked out with lockdown and quarantine all summer and into fall. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, wow, it's the end of October. Holy cow. You know, things are starting Mm -hmm. to happen. Snow's starting to fall. People want to get skiing and boarding again. So if you can, like what happened with On the Snow back in in March? It was March or April when it actually shut down. It was actually more in June, around June time. Um, 
and I don't know, really know the specifics because it was owned by Vail Resorts. But for, you know, I think the general gist of it is they were just looking to get out of the, the online broadcasting and journalism business um, and kind of focus on other um, business streams. You know, it's such a large corporation that they have so many lines of business. I think it was just kind of, um, you know, not their main main line of business. So, um, you know, I think COVID did have an impact on it. But I don't know, you know, the details of it. I think um, for the most part, that's why they shut it down. Okay. Yeah, I mean, everything, yeah, you know, you saw other apps in the past. I know there was, um, oh, there was one that was like, uh, you could, all your buddies would have it and you're on the mountain and you kind of reach out and link up. And there was a few of those that were just having trouble making money. And when you're owned by Vail, you think you might have a little bit more support from your parent company which, you know, again, back in March, April, May, you know, nobody really knew what was going on with anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of understandable. But again, it was pleasantly surprised to see that it came back. So what happened that allowed it to come back? Sure. So just a little bit of history. Um, Chad Dyer, who is our uh, director, he joined the company in the 90s. And he he was basically... Um, you know, the head of On the Snow, one of the pioneers of the the whole thing. And um, when On the Snow was acquired by Vail in 2010, I believe, he went with Vail. Um, and he left Vail, I think, about a year or two ago. Um, and I think, you know, when he saw that On the Snow was being shut down, I think, you know, he could speak to it better than I could. But just working with him the last couple months, um, you know, it was really something that he wanted to keep going. Um, like you said, it's, it's such a large, you know, we have such a large following and it's such a great asset for a lot of skiers and snowboarders that it would be a shame to, to see it just, you know, fall off after being in business for over over 50 years. So Chad, um, reacquired the business. Um, so it's on the snow and ski info, which is our European portals. Um, and, um, so that's basically the basics of it. So he's been, you know, with the company and uh, leading the company for a long time. So um, it's been really great to work with him. I guess if you're someone who is involved from the start or, you know, since, you know, back in the nineties when the internet started to boom and you don't kind of want to see your baby, you know, get thrown out with the bathwater. So it's, it's it's great that he had that passion still that to get back in there and, and to get it up and running again. Totally. So now with the new, you know, the, the new owners again, old owners or old, you know, old, uh, main, main man back controlling this. How have things changed now for the, uh, this new iteration of on the snow? Well, since we're independently owned now, I think we have a lot more creative freedom. Um, I, I don't really know how it was led, you know, when it was owned by Vail Resorts, but now, um, you know, since Chad's in charge, he's given the editors a lot of creative freedom in terms of social media, design of the website, um, and just kind of editorial um, direction. So it's, you know, I think a lot of people listening might work for a large corporation or have in the past and kind of know how it works, where if you want to get something done, there's a lot of steps you have to take. But now it's it's more like, you know, it's not a startup company because it's such an established brand, but it has very startup kind of feels. It's a, we have a small team. Well, it's actually pretty large. Uh, we have about 35 employees at the moment for being a somewhat, um, 
new-ish company since October. Um, but it's, employees or? Um, most of them are full-time. Some of them are part-time. You know, we have a couple of writers that are a couple hours a week, but um, for the most part, full-time. Um, so, you know, it's very collaborative and it's not so, you know, personally, the ski industry is getting to the point where there's so many large corporations that it's kind of nice to be on the smaller side and kind of getting back to the roots of the ski industry and, and really connecting with skiers and snowboarders and not having to, you know, kind of go through a lot of the processes that you would have if you're owned by a large corporation. Yeah. And I think we're all starting to really see that now too, with, you know, the kind of the epic icon duopoly that's happening. And, you know, you're seeing this reservation system that, you know, that's going on with the Vail Resorts and the Epic Pass. A lot of people are getting very frustrated. There was a story, mm-hmm. I'm sure you saw a few weeks ago, how a lot of the, uh, a bunch of Epic employees, I think it was at Breckenridge and Vail, they were getting their reservations just removed from the system. Mm-hmm. You know, they're on their off days. The whole point of, you know, working at these resorts is that you're getting the benefits of skiing on your off days. And then if they're canceling, your, you know, your, uh, reservations, like, why are you working for them? That's kind of the whole point of working for a, for a company like that. So yeah, it's, it's great seeing something small, like independent spirit has always kind of been part of skiing. Cause it's kind of a silly, rebellious, you know, extreme thrilling sport and mm-hmm. to see it kind of become corporatized it's and sanitized kind of it takes something away from it. So, I mean, that's kind of what we're, why we're doing what we're doing. We just kind mm-hmm. of decided the world needs to hear our opinion on things. And we love chatting with people and we love skiing. So let's just make a podcast out of it. So you're seeing, <laughs> thanks. You're seeing a lot of these people, just, uh, you know, folks who really do kind of are the exemplify the spirit of skiing kind of finding other ways to to make their impact on the industry. So it's it's great to see you guys back and and doing that. So what are uh, some of the features that you guys have added now to the uh, on the snow app? So uh, yeah, we have a brand new app um, that can be downloaded on iOS and Android. Um, and in terms of features, a lot of the features are the same as what we had before. Um, so you know snow report, daily snow reports, um, weather reports, um, resort reviews, resort stats. Um, The main new part this year is our COVID-19 coverage. So um, if you go to any uh, resort page or resort profile on on the snow, um, as long as the resort has entered their data, um, it will show up there. So um, data such as, you know, do you have to wear a mask or, you know, do I need to reserve my if I have a pass, do I need to reserve my day? Do I, can I buy a ticket at the window? Um, you know, kind of things like that. Um, so it's kind of like a one-stop shop for no, no before you go coverage. Um, so that's the main new one in terms of, uh, the other features, they're pretty much the same. However, we did do a whole redesign. So, um, it's a little bit easier to, to see where you're going, get the information you need. Um, and um, you can sign up for powder alert. So say your home mountain um, or say if you live in Colorado and you have a couple mountains that you kind of bounce back and forth, you can sign up for powder alerts um, so you can see like who got the most snow and and where you want to go. And you can look at their webcams right in the app as well. Or you can have it mock you if you're going to work and just have that, you know, right. 18 <laughs> inches of new snow. At uh, Telluride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing about working from home, though. Just, you know, you know. 
BRB. I'm just going to hit the mountain real quick. You know? home, home is where your skis are, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I know I was, uh, I was checking out the new app and yeah, it, it's, it's very clean. It's, it's really nice and elegant to use. Um, it's cool too. Like, I mean, one thing that's always amazed me about your app and your site is, is all the data and all the information that you have. How do you guys aggregate all of that data and content from all these different sources? So 90% of it is actually all of the resorts entering their own data. So um, oh, wow. if there was, yeah. So if the resort has like a snow reporter or um, a lot of times it's like a marketing or public relations person that does it. Um, but most of the time it's the snow reporter. Cause that's the person that's there at the mountain at 5.00 AM, you know, entering their own snow report details. So um, that's where we get all of the snow report uh, details um, that we publish on our site. We do have snow reporters on our staff as well. So in case, um, you know, a resort doesn't have bandwidth to to update the site, then our snow reporters will go in and, um, you know, compare the resort's website to, uh, you know, actually enter all the resort snow report data onto on the snow. So, uh, but yeah, 90% is the actual resort. So you can, you know, rest assured that it's all accurate information. Um, and in terms of like webcams and photos and everything like that, we update those on our end. Okay. So like right now, if, if you're looking at the, the webcams, you've got Purgatory, Grand Targi, Jackson Hole, and Aspen. So you guys mm-hmm. actually, do you guys go to their sites and, and add that or? We do. Okay. Yep. And that's for, and you guys do this for internationally, right? Because you know, looking right now, you see the top snowfall. You got uh, St. Croix in, in France, Malkert mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Austria. So that's all them entering the data and you just pulling the the highest amounts? Yeah, for the most part, um, we yeah we have portals in France, um, Czech Republic, Poland, Italy, um, and like 10 others. So we have editors and snow reporters that cover those regions as well. Um, in the in Europe, it's it's mostly our snow reporters um, that are entering that data. But in North America, um, since we've been working so long with the North American resorts, it's it's like second nature for them. Do you ever kind of test their numbers? Because I know some resorts have been known to embellish their statistics. Oh, I haven't. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard that some resorts do. And I, I used to work at Stratton and I used to do the snow report, but we were pretty honest, to, to be honest. We were pretty honest with our, because we had people that would call us out. So, you know, oh, you have really? to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we used to do a share house at the uh, at Killington right up the road from mm-hmm. there. And we used to have this bus driver that would take us. And he, this guy, great Boston accent. He'd be like, Killington lies. He's like, they say there's a foot on the ground and they're growing tulips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's hard because a lot of times this, where the snow stake is, the skiers can't really see it. So when you're at the base, it's it's so different than a lot of times where they're measuring. So Sometimes it's hard, but I know sometimes the marketing and PR people get after it. <laughs> it's almost like golfers who like kind of kick their ball into a better spot. Like those snow reporters kind of maybe kick a little <laughs> bit of snow towards their stake to make it look a little bit higher. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they posted a picture. Look at all the snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, again, I love all the the data you guys pull in. It's it's both frustrating and awesome because, again, you're you're sitting at your home mountain and you, you know, like you know, on the East coast here, you know, that rain that we got last week just Mm -hmm. destroyed so much of that epic December snow that I think we deserved. 
got mm-hmm, totally. and then it just took it completely away right on Christmas too. So cruel. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, looking at Jackson Hole and it's beautiful 15 inches of, of new snow. I know. Yeah. So what is your day-to-day like at, in your role? So my day-to-day um, is, you know, I, I'm checking in with the snow reporters in the morning just to make sure everything's all, all good. Um, but for the most part, I manage all the content on our site. So um, you know, either writing news articles or editing news articles. We have a couple writers on our team. Um, you know, it's, it's a big marketing role. So we send out a weekly newsletter, um, that includes a, we have a meteorologist on staff or, you know, part-time staff. So he gives us a weekly, uh, weather report called snow before you go. So, um, working, uh, with him to set up our newsletter. So our newsletter always includes, um, that weather report that we send out on Thursday. So if you're like looking for the best place to ski on the weekend and you, you can sign up for our newsletter and then that weather report will, will kind of cover where the best places to ski, um, that weekend are. So, um, I'm also putting a lot of focus on our social media. Um, I don't think social media was really a focus in the past for on the snow. Um, so I'm really trying to, to build up our brand on our social media platforms and really engage with the users and, and kind of, um, you know, test out what they're liking to see, you know, I'm testing out different kinds of content. Um, so that's been fun. Um, and, um, yeah, other than that, really just making sure every, you know, I, I meet with a lot of the resorts to make sure they're all comfortable entering their data. Um, because really our sites only as good as the data that they, they input, you know, that's, that's the main part. Um, so just making sure they're comfortable and seeing if they need anything and things like that. Um, so that's kind of like the basic gist of it. Okay. And I guess too, yeah, with all this data, you probably have some, some, a lot to choose from when you are doing your social posts where you can, you know, be like, Hey, yeah. Like Wolf Creek, boom, 19 inches. Like here's a picture webcam footage. Um, mm-hmm. So that must be kind of fun. Uh, it's fun. Um, but I'm sitting at my desk here in Massachusetts and I'm looking at this picture in my inbox from Alta. That's like, you can't even see the person. Like it's just, the snow is up to here, like up to your nose. And <laughs> so I'm like, wow, that looks really fun. So it's a little bittersweet, but <laughs> it's a great job. But like you said, you know, wherever you could say, uh, I need to take a trip. I have to test, make sure Alta's reporting accurate numbers. <laughs> They're not showing some old footage, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you see next? Like, what do you, like, what are you guys uh, like doing for On the Snow? Is there anything big you guys are working on or that you want to have happen the next next iteration, this next vision of, of what On the Snow is going to become? Yeah, so um, in addition to the new app, we're, we're doing a complete redesign of our website um, that will be coming in 2021. So we're really excited for that. Um, you know, we it, it's taking a little bit of momentum to kind of get into people's minds again because a lot, like everyone thought we were, gone. So kind of just reminding everyone that we're back and, um, it's really kind of just a buildup at this point. And, um, you know, we're, we're really excited for that redesign of our website and we're, we're hoping to kind of be the number one stop again for everyone looking for snow reports. So 
um, yeah, right now we're just kind of building it back up again. And I think after a couple months, we're already seeing some, you know, increased site traffic, um, especially on our social media profiles. So it's looking good so far and, um, we have a great team, um, internationally. So we're excited. Cool. Now going kind of back to your social media posts, has there been any kind of like type of posts that have been working better for you guys versus another? So I've found like the, it's really interesting because in a lot of marketers say it's like different, um, kinds of content work on the different profiles. When I was working at Strat and doing the social media, it was really kind of across the board. The content did well, but here, um, on Facebook, the carousel of images, um, the powder shots always do the best, (laughs) um, across the board. Whenever I post a picture of a dog, like a, a snowy dog. <laughs> it, that one does the best. Like I've done two or three since I've taken over and that those have been even over our um, weather reports. Those have been the top performing posts, um, which I don't blame, you know, I love dogs. So um, I don't blame people for liking those. Um, and the thing is too, like you don't feel super jealous if you see some, like if you see someone in like, like a two feet of powder, you get mm-hmm. jealous, you see a dog, you're like, oh, like dogs just yeah. get happy. You know, you're not going to, there's no jealousy. There's no envy. It's just happiness. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so those, those kinds have been doing well. Um, actually our YouTube following is pretty, pretty impressive too. So people are liking the YouTube weather, um, videos, the videos don't perform as well on Facebook and Instagram. Um, but on Instagram, when I post the, you know, when you kind of see the, the still weather maps with like the, the the snow totals like 15 inches or 10 inches over a certain resort. Yeah. Um, those get people really hyped up. So that does really well on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I I'm sure someone's done it, but I've, we were trying to do it a couple of years ago, but we kind of f- fell through the cracks taking all those predictions, you know, like the almanac predictions you get every fall. They're like, Oh, it's going to be, you know, crazy in the Northwest and it's going to be really bad in the Northeast. Does anyone ever check the accuracy of those? I'm not sure. Um, I could, you know, if I was a meteorologist, probably I would. I I find it uh, after talking to a couple, you know, so many meteorologists after working in the ski industry, I I find that a lot of them don't like really making those long-term forecasts because, um, you know, it could change so rapidly, especially in the Northeast. Like you never know what's going to happen. But yeah, I'm not really sure. On Christmas. Yeah, I know. After what almost four feet in uh okimo yeah classic (laughs) yeah that's the thing because you know so many people you you get those predictions in you know september or october and you start thinking well if i'm going to plan my trips i'm i want to know which is the which is the best one of these predictors Mm. in order to go all right i'm gonna i'm listening to the farmer's almanac those guys at least 85 percent of the time get it right but Mm -hmm. like i said it's 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 a tricky business. And with COVID this year, it's been so much trickier because you really can't be that powder chaser anymore. Mm-hmm. At least not as much as you could in the past with the reservation systems. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's been trickier. So I guess to having your the um, snow before you go on Thursdays, having mm-hmm. your favorite resorts on your app, giving you alerts and updates. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's pretty much as, as good as it can get for powder chasing this year. Right. Yeah, totally. So do you have a favorite mountain in uh, where you are? Because you're in Mass now. You said I'm in Mass. Um, yeah, I used to work for Stratton. I, I used to live there. I just I just moved a couple weeks ago. 
Um, you know, I haven't done as much traveling as I would like in terms of out West winter park. I had a couple amazing days there. Um, I actually went out there when we had that really dry winter. I think it was 2015 or 16. That was the one. Yeah. So I went out there. Um, that was amazing. Um, in terms of the Northeast Killington is one of my favorites. Um, Stratton, of course, I'm so familiar with Stratton. It's such a fun mountain and they're grooming to be honest. And I don't want to be biased, but their grooming at Stratton is some of the best I've ever experienced. Like, you know, when you get to three o'clock and it's like super sketchy at a lot of mountains out here, Stratton, unless it's like crazy weather, it's like you're out there at 9am for some reason. So if you like groomers and things like that, um, but so those two are some of my favorites. I know you asked for a favorite, um, but I would say for powder days and trees, J Peak you can't beat. That's probably probably my favorite. Yeah. And then you can hit hit the Wave Runner in the in the uh, <laughs> water park. <laughs> yeah, we, we were talking to a few folks this uh, few last couple of months about the Indy Pass and getting J Peak on the Indy Pass this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting that for two hundred bucks. I think it, the prices went up recently, but two hundred bucks. You're getting two days of J, two at Bolton, two at Magic, and with the border being closed from mm. the U.S. to Canada, I mean that's a I think a big I don't know the exact numbers, but a lot of people are coming. We're coming from Canada to go mm-hmm. to Jay. So you're going to have a lot more snow to yourself this year if you're heading up there. So totally not a bad spot. How about a favorite apre spot? Oh, wow. Well, okay. So I'll have to go with, um, pickle barrel at, it's more of like a night nightlife apre pickle barrel at Killington. That's a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> and they're $20 pizzas. Yeah. So good. Brilliant. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> All right, Cassie, anything else you want to add um, and mention with On the Snow? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, anyone listening, feel free to download our app and sign up for our newsletter at onthesnow.com and uh, follow us on social media. We're all uh, On the Snow, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and uh, Facebook. Awesome. Cassie, thank you so much for your time and congrats on the new job. Best of luck and hope to have you back on again in the future. Thanks, Brian. All right, if you guys enjoyed that, if you want to check out On the Snow, onthesnow.com or get the rest of the info at our site, skibumpodcast.com. Well, that wraps up the first podcast of the new year. I want to thank James, our special guest. Can we call you an intern or do you want to, do you have a different title that you're you're eyeing up? I I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. You know, we'll it'll, see how many things you give me. Your role is evolving. Yeah, right. You might be a social media guru. Yeah. You never know. It could be a lot of things. It could be a. Well, we're really glad to have you. Really glad to have you on board. Uh, yeah. Thank you again for your help. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you to our sponsors, Valon. If you want some great classic style eyewear, hit them up. Valon V A L O N dot store. And to our new sponsor, Teresia, if you want some sweet technical outerwear out of the great live free or die state of New Hampshire, check them out, teresia.com. If you want a 15% off discount, Teresia Bum. Teresia Bum, that's it. Teresia Bum. And if you want a Volan discount, Ski Bum 15. 
Hit us up on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're at Ski Podcast. Send us an email, Ski Podcast at gmail.com. If you need stickers, DM us on Instagram. Send us an email. Great favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe, rate us. We'd appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Get out there, make some turns. Stay hot, stay fluting. See ya. <laughs>